welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So, so where do you want to pick up this week? We had some interesting places. We, we left ourselves some loose threads last time. Yeah, we did. Um, last time, uh, we introduced a bit of jargon uh, when we described that we were using why as a trigger, um, not as a question. We were picking up why as an as a internal message, not something we should just immediately blurt outside. And then we, we called that a, a trigger. So in this week, I thought we would sort of expand on that and uh, another bit of jargon, which is tells, uh, and, and explain to people what we mean by that. So let's start with the uh, idea of a trigger. What, what is it a, a trigger? Sure. So when we talk about a trigger, what we mean is something that is going to cause you to do something that may not work as well uh, for you in a conversation. So you might be having a conversation with a product owner, say, and every time that person says, you know, you developers, uh, developers aren't good at estimating, you know that that's a trigger that makes you become defensive. And you say, yes, we are. And off you go to the races. You, you've discovered that that's something that happens in the world. The other person says it. Or the one we were talking about last time was a trigger that happens in your own head. So um, if you're thinking to yourself, and we, we had Mr. Why in one of our previous episodes, and Mr. Why is a client of mine, and he, he's always saying to himself, but why do you want me to switch cloud providers? Why do you want me to set this deadline? Um, but he never asks it out loud. And <laughs> that, I'm going to suggest, is a trigger for him that might cause him to say that when he has that thought in his head, he has certain reactions that are not very productive, and he might want to plan to replace those with better actions. And, uh, and so the idea here is that he can learn what his triggers are, is the idea. So he can, he can hear that, well, I'm asking myself why again, and, and therefore... I know what to do. Now, I, I know that you have uh, your own experience with your own trigger, and I think that was a, a very interesting example uh, of one that might be a different kind than people are used to. Can you give, tell us that story? I certainly can. So um, this was early in my consulting career, and I had a, a founder. I work with startups most frequently. And so the founder of the startup I was working with came over to me while I was sitting down. And while he was standing at the table I was at, he was pointing out things. He was kind of making an imaginary timeline on my desk, and he put his hand down with the side of his hand on the table. And he's saying, well, at this point, we're going to do this. And at this point, we did that in the past. And then in the future, reaching his hand further, we're, we're going to be doing that other things. So he was kind of setting things out on an imaginary timeline. And I noticed that uh, I became very defensive and, and was reacting very poorly to what objectively was, was fairly innocuous actions. He wasn't pounding on the table. He wasn't angry or speaking in an unpleasant way or faulting me or anything. He was just describing some things he was thinking about the, the timeline. But I became very defensive. So I went and reflected on this, and I used a technique we've talked about before, the two-column case study. We, we talked about that, I think, a bit when we did the four R's before and, and the, the methods for learning. And so I went away and I analyzed this, and I realized that there was this uh, important characteristic of the founder, which you would not think was important, which is that he's very tall. He's like <laughs> six foot five or something. You know, he's, he's nearly two meters tall. He's this really tall guy. And um, you might not think that was important, but actually I went to the number one foot football high school, this is American football, the number one football high school in the United States. So out of 300 million people, the people in my school were the best football players. And I was the captain. Oh, wow. Of the chess club. 
Oh, Th- this okay. was not a recipe for social <laughs> success. This did not lead to um, me having very positive reactions to the experience of a tall person talking to me and um, you know, making vigorous motions with his hand that I did not have good associations with. It had nothing to do with his poor founder and he hadn't done anything. He just was born tall. He was, <laughs> it wasn't his fault. But I recognized that that was a trigger for me. That was something that would cause me to become defensive. And then I planned an action. And the action was very simple, which is when I wanted to talk to him for any extended period, I stood up. And by standing up, I certainly not as tall as he is, but I reduced the inequality between our, our heights. And this helped me to have a much better conversation with him. So it could be as simple as changing a characteristic of the conversation, doing something that's not visible. It could be as complex as saying, well, I'd like, I'd like to understand better why you're, you're telling me that we can't make estimates. There could be lots of actions, but uh, you want to look for an action that you can take that's different. Right. So th- th- you have different actions you're going to take, but the idea is that you've identified triggers in yourself. And so in the case with the tall founder, you would feel maybe the, the anxiety and be like, right, that's what I, I, I feel this anxiety. That's my trigger now to stand up in, in this way. For Mr. Y, they, they hear this internal dialogue in their head saying, but why? And then that's going to be their trigger to then get a bit curious. So there's examples of, of internal feeling or internal dialogue. I, I have the example from my own uh, case study, which I found that there was something that I would actually say. So when you were left-hand column of feeling anxious or left-hand column of asking why, I had something in my right-hand column. And I think if I know which one you're going to describe for us, I think that's an example of a tell, not a trigger. So we might want to talk about tells. Okay. But go ahead and tell the story, then then we'll explain. So we'll, we'll leave it, we'll have our, our listeners be uh, curious now, so they can they can wonder what, what's a tell, and, and see if you can figure out from Jeffrey's example, because I, I know this example, and it's a really, really good example of a tell. Well, what I what I would find is that uh, in my in my right hand column, I would often end up using the word obviously in a sentence, or usually to start a sentence. And by right hand column, you mean something you were saying out loud. So you'd be saying to other people you were talking to, obviously, etc. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously X, Y, and Z. And I would analyze the conversation and found that this idea of, of saying obviously was a sign that I was saying something that was not obvious. It was if if I if I felt a need to explain it by saying obviously, actually what was happening is I had information and I actually needed to share it and um, obviously didn't enter into it. So it was uh, when I found myself saying obviously, it was actually became a, the the planned action was to take time to explain reasoning and intent, to to explain the background and what had led me to the conclusion that there was something that was obvious. The, the, the word obvious was actually became in my head phrase for it's not obvious and. And very often, if I found myself saying that, that would be my immediate planned action was, okay, it's not obvious, let let me explain. And and you actually also had something that is a physical action that went with it that that I know that that I think is a beautiful example. (laughs) Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, it was 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 almost embarrassing, but I would often find myself at the same time as I was saying it's obvious, I would find myself raising my left hand. And and for some reason, that was my left hand was the hand when it was obvious. And I would sort of raise it in the air and thrust it forward a bit. And, you know, what they were done was obvious. And it almost became a tell in itself. Why is my left hand in the air? That might be the what I would, would, would recognize. If my left hand is in the air, I probably just said obvious. I probably need to go and plan a, a different set of actions. 
and I've actually seen you do this, so um, if, if listeners want to try to imagine this, um, you can imagine Jeffrey raising his left hand, saying, obviously, we need to, and then stopping himself, kind of looking at his left hand quizzically yeah. <laughs> and saying, and of course, what I mean is it's not obvious, putting his left hand down and then explaining his reasoning, which is clearly not obvious. So that was, I think, while you were learning that tell a bit better. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, you have it exactly right, which is that that was one of my, my early discoveries of something, that a pattern of behavior that I could then plan something else. So you were about to say, explain what, what a, a tell is and, and how we, where we get, get it from. Sure. It's a, it's a poker reference. So for anybody who plays poker, they've probably heard this. So uh, someone will say, well, the tell is that uh, he always rests his head on his right hand when he's bluffing or when he has a good hand or something. A tell is a usually physical thing, but it also can be a change in your voice or a change in your, um, in your demeanor that helps someone to understand. And they're, they're trying to read you and work out whether you're, you have good cards or bad cards. And a tell would give them further information about what your cards are. And of course, that gives them an advantage in poker. And the advantage you can get for yourself is that if you can find, whether they're physical things like Jeffrey's left hand or things that you notice in your behavior and your thinking that are a signal uh, that you are about to head in a direction that's not helpful, that tells you something about what you can uh, do differently. So that's a, a trigger is something that might uh, you might observe in the other person or in yourself that makes you feel a certain way. A tell says, I already am feeling this way, and this is a signal that I have it. And in either case, you can use the trigger or the tell to plan a future different action. And the, the, the key idea here is that is we're using these to get to the, the, the planned action and the idea that we, we've come up with a better mode of behavior. And that really, if we if we go back to the harken back to the idea of learning from experience, that this ends up being one of the ways that we we take our learning and put it into action, which is um, the example we talked through in the four R's. You go through these steps and you come up with a revised uh, version of what you could have said in that scenario, and with experience, having repeated this multiple times, you you what you'll tend to find is that you have very similar reactions across multiple conversations. And that's where you start to identify from repetition that the triggers and tells. Now, maybe maybe a, a single interaction is enough. Uh, perhaps with your tall founder, for example, you, you only took one instance of feeling anxious to have that reflection and, and come to an answer. Mm-hmm. But I think you said obviously a lot of times before you worked out that that was a tell for you. I don't know that, but I'm guessing that's the case. Yes, absolutely. It was not. It was. It was something that I, I came across early in, in, in analyzing my conversations. But it was there across several conversations uh, before it became, well, obvious. There you go. Okay. So uh, to bring this together with a, a bit of an agile example, uh, I've got a client where I'm trying to increase focus. And uh, Jeffrey, you and I have been talking, you've been giving me some, some very helpful advice about how, how to handle this client. I'm going to, to see them tomorrow. So uh, one thing that I have been working with them on, I haven't quite used this language, so it's occurring to me that maybe I should, but uh, I've been working with them on identifying when they lose focus and when their conversations, say their conversations with other people in the business outside the development agile team, their conversations go in a direction that is uh, uh, not as focused, not on the, uh, the target for the sprint, not the target for the monthly uh, goals that they're trying to achieve. 
And um, so I've described to them some things that they can do. Well, well, that's not in our focus list. Uh, that's that's not what we're aiming for. That's not uh, in, in our in our wheelhouse. That's not where we're headed. So those are changed behaviors. But uh, I'm thinking that probably what I can help them with now that you've helpfully reminded me about this uh, notion of triggers and tells we've worked on is to have them think about what are the triggers, what are the tells. And maybe they'll find that, you know, they're resting their head on their right hand whenever they are um, starting to, to think that they need to give in to a, a business demand that is outside their focus. And when they notice that, they could choose to use one of the phrases I've taught them about saying, well, that's, that's not in our current focus. That's something we can pick up. Can you bring that to the next planning session? I really like that example because when we've been talking about this with the idea that this is self-reflection and uh, an action you're going to take on your own, uh, one thing that you're getting into is how you can expand this into teams and you can actually agree uh, that you're going to have certain phrases that act as triggers for planned actions. So when one of us says the magic word, <laughs> then we're, we all agree we're going to do you know X, Y, and Z because we hope that will get us uh, back on track or aligned or uh, whatever. Yeah, we're going to notice is. when we're getting unfocused and somebody will say, hang on, I think this is time for one of those refocusing actions. That's right. Exactly. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to giving this a try tomorrow. All right. Hopefully, if our, uh, I'd like to hear from our uh, listeners, of course, if, if they've uh, done some of the, the four R's and they've examined their own uh, experiences to find out what kind of triggers and tells that they have found in their own experience. What are things that they trigger them to become defensive or anxious or otherwise uh, lead their conversations astray? And what are the tells that they have that uh, they could recognize that uh, when they're doing these things is a sign that they've gotten on the wrong track? Be fascinating to hear from them uh, what their experiences are. Excellent. And of course, they can do that at troubleshootingagile.com. That's where you can find our Twitter and our email. And we keep threatening to put up a carrier pigeon, but you know, whatever we've got to get in touch with us, that's that's the way to do it, troubleshootingagile.com. We also are really pleased when people press the subscribe button and whatever app they're using to, to listen to us. Of course, not if they're driving. Stop driving first, You know, get off the road. But uh, later, push the, the subscribe button because then you can hear us every Wednesday. And uh, we're always excited to hear from our listeners and to uh, get them listening to us each week. So looking forward to you doing that if you'd like to. All right. Well, thanks, Jeffrey. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Carl.